0: Hello all of you beautiful people, Jules here for WhatCulture.com And isn't it a great feeling when you notice a mistake in a film and you go oh, oh, oh I spotted something that the directors didn't But isn't it even funnier when the directors turn around in a subsequent film or sequel or prequel Or any other type of expanded universe bit and say haha, actually we did notice this and it was leading up to this moment Ooh, what, d- d- touché? Well, let's take a look at them as I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com And these are 8 Movie Mistakes Acknowledged as Canon Number 8, the clumsy stormtrooper, Star Wars a new hope. Star Wars A New Hope plays host to one of the most infamous and glorious gaffes in cinema history, when an ill-sighted stormtrooper smacks his head on one of the Death Star's doors. This moment has been relentlessly relished by fans ever since the film's original 1977 release. According to the man behind the helmet, the mistake happened because he was preoccupied with a bout of intestinal trouble during shooting, yet neither George Lucas nor any other crew member apparently noticed the comical error. And though Lucas can be a rather humorless sort where mockery of his baby is concerned and honestly can you really blame him, in this instance he decided to lean into the absurdity and make the mistake even more apparent for a new Hope's 2004 reissue. Lucas added the distinctive metal donk sound effect to the helmet's impact, ensuring that practically nobody watching would miss it, while giving everyone another big laugh in the process. Lucas further toyed with fans by also including an overt reference to the injury in 2002's Attack of the Clones, where Django Fett hits his own head on the door of the ship while escaping Obi-Wan. Given that a good portion of the first generation Stormtroopers are cloned from Jango Fett himself, Lucas has basically made the lunk headed clumsiness a damn genetic character trait. Number seven, the unclear gremlin rules. Gremlins, the new batch. Well-received though Joe Dante's iconic creature feature Gremlins was, many fans nevertheless keenly pointed out a mistake in the film's internal logic, due to the vagueness of the rules which govern the Mogwai-slash-Gremlin biology. There are three big rules, apparently. Keep them out of sunlight, avoid them getting wet, and never feed them after midnight. Now The first two seem simple enough, but what exactly does after midnight mean? Even today, fans still pose the hypothetical of taking Gizmo on a plane across several time zones. Does that magically negate the rule, or would he still be at the mercy of his own internal body? clock. Dante evidently got fed up of hearing the issue pointed out to him, so he devised a hilarious scene in the sequel, The New Batch, which directly incorporates it. As the Gremlins overrun the Clamp Center, a group of Daniel Clamp's goons start cracking wise to Billy, picking holes in the Gremlin rules that he's just explained to them. One asks what happens if a Gremlin accidentally swallows a seed stuck in its teeth from a meal eaten before midnight, while another raises the aforementioned plane scenario. But before Billy can answer, Gremlin Mohawk bursts out of a TV and attacks the nitpicking men, giving Dante the undeniable last laugh. Number 6. Captain Barbosa's First Name – Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End Even though the most casual Pirates of the Caribbean fan will likely remember that Captain Barbosa's first name is Hector, you might not be aware that this wasn't actually officially revealed until the third film, At World's End. And even then, it was really just a happy accident. After Johnny Depp recorded a DVD commentary track for the original film and jokingly declared that Hector was indeed Barbosa's name, hilariously fans ended up treating Depp's offhand comment as gospel online. And so the writers basically felt duty-bound to commit this to canon, as they finally did in At World's End, when Jack Sparrow greets Barbossa as Hector for the first time. Depp may have been joking, but come on, it's actually a perfect fit for the character. 5. Daniel's Illegal Crane Kick The Karate Kid and Cobra Kai The Karate Kid may be one of the most iconic underdog sports films ever made, but it's a warm, fuzzy fountain that's actually also built on a lie. A A cheat, even. The film, of course, concludes with an injured Daniel, narrowly defeating his nemesis Johnny with a crane kick to the face. Daniel wins the karate tournament and gets sweet revenge, in an ending tailor-made to send the audience home happy. Except, the referee explicitly states moments earlier that strikes to the face, well, they're not allowed, so why exactly was Daniel's crane kick permitted? Fans have complained about this lapse in logic ever since the original release, with actor Ralph Macchio even confirming his agreement that Daniel picked up an unearned victory at the film's end. But rather than shy away from this blatant screw-up, the surprisingly solid spin-off series Cobra Kai had the good sense to incorporate it into their story, with Johnny still bitter that Daniel allegedly cheated. Though the show smartly doesn't settle the issue once and for all, it was satisfying to see the debate internalised into the continuity of the franchise itself. Number 4. Why Don't People Fly Out of the US? The Purge Election Year Before The Purge even hit cinemas, many took issue with the film's premise, that if the US government instituted an annual 12-hour period where all crime is legal, why the hell wouldn't people just get on a plane and take a holiday for those few days? Well, the third entry into the series, The Purge Election Year, actually nodded to this iffy logic by featuring an early scene where news reporters talk about murder tourists coming to the US from other countries to get their violent jollies. Though the film doesn't flat-out say it, it's nevertheless implied that air travel in and out of the US becomes decidedly more expensive around the purge due to increased demand. This likely ensures that only the wealthy are actually able to take even a quick trip out of the country before all of the violence kicks off. Number 3. The Original Movie's Visible Equipment, Scream 2 where's Craven's Scream boasts one of the most unforgettable opening scenes to any horror movie ever, satire or not, with poor Casey Becker being tormented and then brutally murdered by Ghostface. The scene is brilliantly executed, though, even if you probably didn't notice a mistake hiding in plain sight when Casey runs to lock the front door. For a few seconds, the shadow of a large, long object is visible behind Casey, and given that there's nothing in the room with that shape, it's safe to assume that we're looking at a piece of set equipment, a crane, most likely, a shadow of which must have inadvertently been projected into the scene. Scream 2 then opens with a delicious parody of this scene, where Heather Graham plays the Casey Becker role in the film within a film, Stab. The scene is played out in exaggerated fashion, though given that the aforementioned mistake had done the rounds online following the original Scream's release, Wes Craven decided to include it in the remade version 2. And so when Casey is running away from Ghostface, she speeds out of a doorway with another strange shadow on it. Though at first glance you might assume The shadow was being cast by the plant to the left. The shadow actually becomes thicker and darker as the camera closes in, suggesting that the source in this case is actually the film equipment being used to capture it. Number two, the second Infinity Gauntlet Thor Ragnarok. Where interconnected movie franchises consisting of literally dozens of movies are concerned, mistakes are inevitable and fans will sure as hell catch every single one of them. One of the most egregious to date in the MCU occurs in the original Thor film, where the Infinity Gauntlet is briefly noticeable residing within Odin's vault on Asgard. This becomes a problem a few years later in Avengers Age of Ultron then, when the mid credit scene reveals that Thanos already has the gauntlet in his possession. So, what gives? After years of speculation, with some fans suggesting that Odin Odin's gauntlet could be a decoy. We got confirmation in Thor Ragnarok. When Kate Blanchett breaks into Odin's vault, she takes one look at his gauntlet and shouts, "Fake," and then pushes it over. On the one hand, this was a hilarious setup of the mistake itself, while also folding the extra gauntlet's existence into the continuity. It's a hell of a lot better than just quietly hoping that fans will forget about it because you know what? They won't. And number 1, why didn't Skynet send more terminators? Terminator Dark Fate. Trying to find the crystalline logic in the Terminator franchise is admittedly a bit of a fool's errand, given that John Connor's entire existence is centred around the classic chicken or egg scenario. How could he send Carl Reese back in time to impregnate his mother Sarah if he didn't already exist? Another oft-cited, air quotes, mistake questions the attack strategy of Skynet itself, and why the malevolent AI doesn't simply send an army of Terminators back through time to kill Sarah or John, or at least send just more than one machine to do the job, right? Well, as insulting as it was to fans, Terminator fate finally embraced how little sense it made by opening with the murder of John Connor in 1998 at the hands of another T-800. As it turns out, before Skynet was destroyed, it sent multiple Terminators to various time periods to track down John, and when you throw enough darts at a dartboard, one of them's eventually going to hit the bullseye. By having Skynet literally retcon its own mistake, the series accepted its poor initial logic, even if most fans probably wished it hadn't.